0: we're devoted. Um, you know, the, the reality is, I think, in many ways, um, we really do believe we're devoted um, in the kingdom of God until we read the book of Acts. And then we realize maybe we're devoted in America, our version of what we think it is, uh, but the book of Acts really changes what that word means when it talks about being devoted to one another and we're going to talk a little bit about that today being devoted to the church 2022 is a year of reflecting on what is most deserving of my devotion what is most deserving of my devotion and what am I giving my devotion to and do I water out my devotion a lot to a lot of things where I'm really not devoted to the things that God wants me devoted to I'm going to get, show you this verse because uh, it says, I will build my church and the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. Here, here's the reality is God is devoted to the church. Like God is devoted to the church. And the church isn't just people. It is a group of people. That The church was a God idea. It was a God idea, this whole thing. You know, it's interesting because I've seen a whole lot of attacks on the church. In fact, I'm seeing more and more people attacking the church. And, and I want to be very clear. If you don't honor your parents, you aren't going to receive from your parents. If you don't honor your boss, you're going to start to think he's an idiot. Because you're only going to see him as that, and the lens you look at him is going to be because you have no honor for him. You never receive anything from someone you don't honor. So if you don't honor the church, you'll stop receiving from the church, and before you know it, you'll be on the outside of the church, and you'll be struggling with a whole lot of things. And, and if you're on Twitter any length of time, you see people constantly attacking the church, but the church is a God idea. I was just at something and um, here at B-Rock, it actually was in Apple Valley and it was there and somebody said, said to me, well, I don't go to, don't go to church because I got hurt by somebody in the church. And I said, that's a funny thing. I actually got sick from some food at a restaurant, so I just don't do restaurants anymore. I mean, how insane is that thinking? That we don't think that way in anything else in our life. I didn't stop going to restaurants because I got sick at Chipotle. I just don't go to Chipotle. (laughs) Right? Because you're bound to get... But I just don't go there. But I didn't stop going to eat at other places. And I didn't stop going to uh, home improvement places because, because I got hurt by somebody at one. Or they took advantage of me at one. And they just want my money. That's a big. They just want my. I didn't stop going there because of that. The church is the only place where we believe the lie the enemy tells us that because you were hurt by somebody, I'm just stopping the whole thing. It really tells you the condition of your heart. That it would only take one person to keep you from a place that God is building. And how incredibly self-focused is that? that we would be looking at how I was treated and never stop to consider that I've hurt other people. That I've offended other people. That I wouldn't stop to consider that, yeah, I'm bound to be hurt. I I love to think of it this way. It's like um, eggs rolling around on the floor of a minivan and Jesus takes a right turn. We all crack our heads against each other and we're blaming each other. Rather than realize that we're in this together and we're going to hurt each other's feelings. Let me give you a theological point or uh, reference to that. Get over it. You're going to deal with it. It's going to happen. And you're going to be the one that did it sometimes. You're going to be the one that does that sometimes. Anything, anything that is working against or attacking the church is working against God. Anything that is working against or attacking the church is working against God. And and all too often I find ourselves like we're always apologizing for the church rather than celebrating what the church means. The reason for the church. We as believers need to catch ourselves in how we talk about the church. The church is incredible. And yet some of you are sitting in here thinking you're preaching a message that seems a lot lot self-serving. Do you know why that is? is because the lens you're looking through has been so clouded by experiences of reality that you can't truthfully see clearly. Because you've been listening to Twitter feeds and all the people that have their complaints about this pastor over there or that church over there, the people over there, and you've allowed all of those things to cloud your experience and you cannot see the church for what it was. God's answer to help you get through this life. This is, this is the truth. You never hear or see people say and become so much closer to God because they stop going to church. They never do. They end up falling away. They end up walking away from God because it was God's idea. It's God. The church is God's perfect plan. Whether it's perfect or not, the plan, it was his perfect plan. And the reality is, we need each other. And the enemy wants you to not like each other, to get offended by each other. Here's the other lie that is amazing. This is the lie that we often perpetuate with our own words. And by our own words and faith, we empower this lie. And it's the lie that the church is losing. Do you really think what God is building is actually losing? When did God become a loser in your mind? When did God stop winning in your mind? God does not lose, the church is not losing. So stop using the words that you have and the authority of your words and putting the faith behind your words to even make the statement that the church is losing, that it's not relevant anymore, it's not for today. Wake up! Satan is that good of a liar. He's got you you testifying about it. He's got you preaching his message. We're winning and we will continue to win because he, in fact, the Bible says it's who we are, more than overcomers, not because we're winning, but because he won and we get to walk in his victory. That's why I'm more than an overcomer. We need to start worshiping like that. We need to start talking like that. We need to start acting like that and we need to have a different attitude. Amen? Because we're not a part of something that's losing. Acts chapter 2 says this. (coughs) All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles. They devoted themselves to it. You don't devote yourself to a sinking ship. How many know you don't, you don't, nobody wants to be on a sinking ship. They're, They're all like, yeah, I'm getting off this thing before it goes under. They were devoted to something that should never have made it in the climate it was in. Because their lives were constantly being threatened. But they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship community. To eating together, which was something we need to do more of. Somebody should say amen. And to pray. A deep sense of awe came over them. Why? Because they were in one accord. They were assembled together. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, which we all want. Maybe we should look at it starting with devotion, being devoted. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. See, this is a problem. Like, we're terrible at sharing. Right? How, how many know what I'm talking about? Like, like I'm, I'm doing a podcast. Because our online pastor said, we need to do that. <laughs> and you need to talk about these things on it. And so I listen to him all the time and whatever he tells me. And uh, so we're, I'm, I'm preparing the first one that will come up in a couple of weeks. And it will be a regular time every week. It will kind of be like that. But I'm going to talk about issues that, that we don't talk about anymore, like water baptism. And as I'm preparing it, I realize that we should be talking about this. Because when you come to Christ, water baptism is the very first opportunity you have to decide whether you're going to be obedient or not. And it sets the course for your entire life. See, you don't need to understand why you get water baptized. He said so. And if you come into the kingdom of God thinking he's a president... You say, well, I'll just decide whether I do it or not. Rather than say, the king said be water baptized, I don't have a choice anymore. When I gave my life to him, I gave him my choice. I will do what he said, whether I understand it or not. But we want to research it and study it, and I want to be convinced that this is why I should do it before I listen to God. And how many know that sets the course of whether or not we're obedient down the road? It's the first act. You cannot be a disciple of Christ until you just obey everything he tells you to do. Until then, you're not a disciple. You're just someone who thinks you are. A lot of pretenders. You see, my heart isn't that you get your butt in our seats so we can have a big... My heart is that you get your butt in heaven. Does that make sense? So, come on, guys, we got to get back to what the church is called to be. The world doesn't want some dry, dead church, they want a church that's alive. And that only happens when we get obedient. Like we, re- we really don't understand every part of this. You think that the church is just preaching and the music and prayer and that's it. The church is when someone walks in the door and someone's there smiling going, it's great to see you and, and acting like not only are they glad they're there, but that they're glad that person that just walked in the door is there. That's being the church. That's when we're devoted to what we're doing in this community, that I'm not just helping someone out, that I got a mission to show up, not just two minutes late, but 10 minutes early, because I got a ministry this morning, and I'm going to serve as a greeter, and I'm going to do it as the best, and I'm going to smile like you're smiling right now, not like this, welcome to church this morning. (laughs) You really think anyone wants to come? Because this is way bigger than just what you see on a platform. They met, look what they did. So, so they shared, oh I was getting, so like even tithing, we don't tithe? What, what? 50% of the church gives $1 or more a year. How do you think the lights got paid for? The heat. I mean, even in logical form, how do we sit there and think Well, I don't need to do any of it to go to heaven. You don't need to do any of it. It's all for for somebody. But somebody's being obedient. And their obedience has been your blessing. And because they bless you, God blesses them. But you aren't seeing it. Because you won't obey. Am I preaching this morning a little bit? It's time to wake up, guys. We'll never share. We're devoted. We're devoted? And we won't even do that? We're devoted? So they sold their property and possessions because they were devoted and shared the money with those in need because they were devoted to the mission. Like my mission on life is not to get to retirement. My mission in life is to take as many as I can to eternity. So you wake up different when that's your mission. You use your resources differently when that's your mission. When you're devoted to that, your whole life, every part of you. It's why all all of our kids are doing ministry. Because there's a mission. We're devoted to something beyond all this. And they met daily. So we're going to start doing church every day now. We'll see you tomorrow. Right? I, I only show up every other week. And we wonder why we're running into things, or we're struggling with things, because when you're not devoted, you don't need to be there. Here, here's the thing, when you, li- literally, can I, ju- can I be honest? Uh, I mean, like, I've been honest, but can I just be straight? When you don't show up on Sunday mornings, every Sunday, it's because church is only for you and your schedule. You don't see this for anyone else, you see it only for you. And I only show up because that's all I think I need. But you don't ever stop to consider that maybe me showing up is for someone else. That, I, that I'm here for someone else. That I'm devoted to this, the body of believers and because I'm there, they're there, we're growing together and we're walking together. It's all about me though, right? We have become so self-focused and centered we don't even know it. And friend, <laughs> friend, if you really think that I'm only preaching to you, you should have heard what God was preaching to me this week. And it's not, it's not to push you down. It's to set you free from all of this garbage that's holding us back. Sin that so easily entangles and hinders us from walking out what God has for us. God is just like, James, you got to deal with this because this is holding you back. I, 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 I'm feeling, here's the grand deception, why well, I don't believe in organized religion. <laughs> uh, Satan is trying to rebrand what this is all about. This ain't about religion. He, he is lying to people. And we are believing what he's saying. He is the father of lies. He has a marketing degree. He's got a PhD in lying. So if he he was able to deceive Eve, he's easily able to deceive those who have no honor for the church. If you don't honor the church, if you don't think the church is important and is something that you should be devoted to, you will never receive anything from the church and Satan has you right where you want you because here's the thing. <laughs> the strength in your life is the people in this room. The strength of the sheep is its flock. And when you get in some of you need to be, you're on the fringe and the enemy keeps attacking you. This is what you need to do. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me, excuse me, you need to get in the middle of the flock. Some of you are wondering what I was doing. I was moving from the outside to the center of the flock. That's what I was doing. I felt real stupid doing that too, so you better have gotten something from it. Right? You need to get in the middle of the flock. Why? Because the people in your life are your protection. They're They're there for you. It's important. Hebrews 10, look at what it says. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Hmm. Let us consider, what do you think I'm doing right now? I'm spurring you on. Look what it says. Not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. How many know that we're in weird days? Right? Something that I'm not familiar with. Do you understand that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy? That the Bible really characterizes Satan as a wolf. He's after you. He's trying to attack you. He's trying to get you. And if you're not in the body protecting you, because how many know there are times where you start to question your faith? You start to question whether or not God answers your prayers. You start to question or not, what, 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 why did God do that? And you need people around you to, to pray with you and to stand with you and encourage you and to bring promises in your life. We need that in our life. We need those. And you may not need it right now, but my friend, you will. And when it's time, you can't just jump into that because time is what strengthens those relationships. The time you spend with each other, you need the people in this room that you don't think you need at all. You know the strength of Bethel's Rock is the multi-generations that are here. There are older people in this room with incredible wisdom. Some of the best Older people in this city attend here. In fact, we put out an ad. If you're a good older person, come (laughs) to Bethel's Rock Farmington. It's a great church. (laughs) Marriage mentors. If you're a married person and you don't have marriage problems yet, you should get a marriage mentor. (laughs) Because you will. As soon as that baby comes. Uh, Right? I'm going to know what I'm talking about. Right, you need, you need, you need those. You need to, if you're in your 20s, some of your best friends should be people 30 years older than you. Our best friends, Heather and I best friends. If I told her who are our best friends right now, they would tell you a couple that's 70. I can't be that old. They're 30 years older than us. And I'm like, he's that old? Uh, 79 years old. They're our best friends. When we were fighting like cats and dogs, she's the cat, I was the dog. <laughs> I just wanted to be clear. They would come in and they would just laugh. No, I'm serious. They would laugh. And they say, you two are so entertaining. <laughs> and it just like, it made us like, okay, this isn't as bad as we thought it was. And it, it, it just brought life into our relationship. You need people like that. You need them. What is the church? Why, why, do you think, why do you think Satan works so hard to get you offended and hurt by the very people God put in your life to protect you? Why do you think he does that? Why do you think he's got you looking at other people in this church and then telling you they're hypocrites? They're actors. Why do you think he's doing that? You don't do that in any other aspect of life. You don't go to your workplace and say they're a hypocrite. You don't go to your restaurant, you don't go to sport. you don't, you don't go to your sporting, you say they're hypocrites. You, don't, you didn't do that. Why is it you do that in church? You know people aren't perfect, and quite honestly, if they were, you'd hate them. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? If they were perfect and they did nothing, we would hate them, and we almost cheer against them. But, but because they're not perfect, we say they're hypocrites. Who do you think you're fighting? You're not fighting people. You're not fighting flesh and blood. You're fighting principalities and powers and spiritual forces that aren't at those people. They're after you. Right. Who are you devoted to? Who are you devoted to? What are you going to devote yourself? Genesis 28, 10 through 22. And this is the theme verse about those rocks. So I'm going to read the whole thing. Because this is where we get our name. It says, meanwhile, in fact, when God called us to come to Minneapolis, it took a lot to get us here. Not because of the people, because of the weather. What's going on out there right now is exactly why I didn't want to come to this city. I'm looking at go from zero to one, I was just like, are you kidding, negative one. I'm like, sheesh. Meanwhile, it said, there's a, you know what, we're getting a lot better places in heaven. We were last on earth when the weather, we're going to be first in heaven. Somebody rejoice in that, praise God. It's going to be. And they're all, all those southern people, they're all getting cold. (laughs) Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled to, and I believe hell is frozen. I don't, I don't think hell's hot. I think it's, it's, it's cold. And sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. And he slept and he dreamed for a stairway that reached from earth to heaven. See, it's more than a song. And as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from earth up to heaven. And now look at this. And he saw the angels of God going down, up and down the stairway. And at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. So at the top, like there was something there where he could actually see into heaven and he saw the Lord. Now it's incredible. How did you know it was the Lord? He had never seen the Lord. I mean, this is the Old Testament. It wasn't like he was interacting. But at the top, he knew what he he knew who he was when he saw it. Okay, and and it, and it became which is which many have called portals. And I believe in portals into heaven. I believe it. You think that's weird and strange? I'm weird and strange. I don't care. I believe in it. There are places where I've gone where where you pray, you can pray for two hours and think it was fifteen minutes. The Western Wall. Israel is one of those places. I mean, it's incredible. I thought it was there 15 minutes. I was there an hour and a half, had no idea praying. Just, it's like it was your, it was connecting. Okay? And he's in that place where it's like literally angels are doing the business of heaven. They're bringing the will of God from heaven to earth. Okay? Now, here's the problem you don't believe in praying because you don't think anything's happening. And you say, well, I believe in praying. If you believed in it, you would do it. This is for you to to determine whether you do it or not. But you know you should pray. Believing is when you do pray. Right? And when you pray, what's happening is what's, this is a picture of that. Literally, you're reaching up in earth. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. When you pray, what you're doing is you're reaching in heaven and you're bringing down God's will and desire from heaven to earth. Because God's will is never done on earth unless you bring it there. You think God, well, if it's God's will. No, lots of things are God's will and never happens. There are a lot of things that are God's will but never happen. He would that none would perish. That's his will. But how many know people perish and go to hell? Why? Because we don't bring it to earth. Look at at the top of the stairs stood the Lord and, and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. <coughs> the ground you're lying on belongs to you, and I'm going to give it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and the east and the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. Isn't that incredible? The city should be blessed through Bethel's Rock we should like they should know we're here and they should say our city is a better place because that church is here we should be leaving a mark in farmington where they say we cannot not we cannot lose that church in our city we need them here what's more i am with you and i will protect you wherever you go and one day i will bring you back to this land and i will not leave you until i finish giving you everything i have promised to you then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it, because he, he's here right now. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. Here's where our verse comes from. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone rock, the rock, and he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. And then he poured olive oil over it. And he named that place Bethel, which was the house of God. Bethel's Rock, a place, this is where our name came from, a place where people could come and it's like a portal into heaven where they can reach up and they can see God doing incredible things in heaven and they release it on earth. That's what we, that is what our mission is, is to release heaven on earth. That's what the church has been called to. So there's elements. So what made that that place, the house of God? Two things made that place the house of God, the presence of God. The presence of God. The presence of God is here. Right now, Matthew 18 says this, it says, again, truly, I tell you that if two of you are agree on earth concerning anything they ask for, it will be done by them, by their father in heaven. For where two or three gathered in my name, there I am with you. Did you know when you were worshiping today, the person you were worshiping was in your presence. He was here. He may have been standing right next to you listening to you sing. Maybe you weren't singing. He was standing there waiting to hear something. Here's the second thing is the power of God. There's power to God. See what's interesting is if all you think is the church is, is a sermon and a worship song service, then you can watch online and that's all you need. If, if you're a person that says, I can just watch it online, all I need is online, ch-. I loved online church because I could sit home, eat, drink my coffee and be in my pajamas, then your version of church was wrong from the beginning before we ever did this. You thought it was just a sermon and a worship. You cannot be the church online. You can watch a sermon online and I appreciate all those that are watching online and you may say, well I'm going to stop watching just because you say I can't be there. But, but I'm going to be honest to those that are watching online. What you're not getting today is the presence of the Holy Spirit in this room right now and the power of being with people in this room because we're gathered together. You can't gather online, but you can gather in a room. We need to be with, we need relationships. You can't get into relationship online. You know, someone says, well, uh, you know, first week, how many enjoyed first week? That went to first week. What? See, here's the thing. How many, God met a lot of people, tons of testimonies of what God did in first week. The power of God showed up. Here's the thing, there's a lot of people who need the power of God to show up, but they don't put themselves in the presence of God to experience the power of God. Now, you may have great excuses why you couldn't be up first week, but I'm going to tell you this, it's about time the church start getting FOMO for the presence of God. We watch online, all our friends, they're hanging out, and we're losing out, and I'm not with my friends, and I get FOMO for what they might do. But we don't get FOMO FOMO for the presence of God because we're not believers in the presence of God. We don't believe. Can I just be honest? I've said that three times today. Do we really believe? Are we devoted to the presence of God where we're gathering together because I want the power of God to do something in my life? It's, like, more important than anything else. And I promise, if you've been at Bethel's Rock any length of time, I haven't preached a message like this. Because I always worry about you thinking it's self-serving. The Lord really called me out on it. said, you're robbing. The church was my idea. I'm devoted to it, and they're not devoted to it because you won't talk about it. Deuteronomy 32, 30 says, How could one man chase a thousand and two put Ten thousand. Here's the reality, God wants you planted, Psalms 92 says this, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of God, they will still bear fruit in old age, (laughs) that's a promise, and they will stay fresh and green. Now, I don't know if I want to be green, but if you're telling me serving in the nursery will make me young, count me in, right? But the reality is there's a lot of butterflies and bullfrogs church. Butterfly just flutters from one church to another church, and they say, I just get good out of all of them. You aren't getting anything out of any of them. Or the bullfrogs, you sit in a lily pad, and as soon as someone comes up to you and says something you don't like, you just plop on another lily pad. You need to get planted in a place, and if it isn't here, go find a church and get planted. Because you will never Gain the benefits of the church until you root yourself into it. Until you say, "This is my place, and this is where I'm going to be." What are the elements of the church when you're devoted to church? What am I devoting to? Number one, you're devoting to people. Right? Put your put your put your fingers together, all of you. Put your fingers together. Right? Here are the doors. Here are the steeple. Open the church, and there are all the people. <laughs> Here's the lie. All I need is God. That's a lie. You said, what do you mean? All we need is God. No, that's a lie. God did not create it, so all you needed was God. God created this whole thing because you're going to need people. God uses your, most of your spiritual growth will happen through the lives of people in your life. And if you remove them or you're not rooted into that, You will never see growth in your life because you've excused people out of your life and said, all I need is God. That's exactly what Satan says to you. All you need is God, just stay away from them. What you're doing is actually walking away from God. When you, God literally said about all of creation, it is good. And then when he created man said, this is not good. He actually said, this is not good to be alone. And I can do better. And he created woman. Are you, come on, ladies, are you listening? All right? I was wondering, that's where I see if you're listening or not. You know, the greatest commandment is, the greatest command. he says, love God, but then love your neighbor, right? But when he dies, this is what he said, love one another as I have loved you. Do you notice, he didn't even say love God. He said, he didn't say this, love me like I loved you. You know what he said? I've shown you how to love Now, you love everyone that way. That's the commandment you need to follow. Not only that, when he's praying, he's praying that you just get along. How many parents in here want their kids to get along? Then show them how. Show them how. Well, you don't realize what they do to me. You don't know how my boss treats me. We're real good at showing them how we have excuses for why we're not getting along. We need to show them how to get along. You know, I was at two illustrations I want to give you. I was at someone's house and I said, you want to see my new truck? I said, yeah, I'd love to see your new truck. Come on. let's so go out in my garage and we'll go out in the garage and we'll open the door. And I was shocked because the engine was over there and the train transmission was over there and the door was hanging over there, two doors. And then there was the bed over there and there was a heating unit and some tires stacked on it. I'm like, dude, I was kind of expecting to see a truck. He said, no, it's all here. This is my truck. I said, no, this is all parts. They're all gathered here. I'm like, dude, they don't become a truck until they're assembled. See, we all have missions. God's all created each of us for purposes. And a lot of times we're running to do our mission, but we don't realize we aren't fulfilling the purpose of the church because we're so focused on what I do, I don't see how it fits into what everyone else is doing. And we're gathered in this place, but we aren't assembled. We aren't. We aren't assembled. All too often we are gathered together, but we're not assembled. You're focused on successfully living your life when you're really not accomplishing the plan God God had to assemble with one another for a primary goal. It's like a pile of bricks. It's like a pile of bricks. All that is is a pile of bricks. They're all gathered. They're all there. Imagine this room. It's a pile of bricks. But it isn't until we are stacked together in order that we take the chaos out of it and we come together in unity that that pile of bricks becomes, serves a purpose. But you got people saying, you know what? I only go just to be there on Sunday. I really don't care. We all like, we're like, we're all trying to run our own races rather than realizing God's called us to run a relay. That we're running together. When Jesus prayed for unity, he revealed to each of us that we cannot assemble until we get along. And you can't get along until you know each other. Which means we got some work to do because there's a lot of new people in this room and you need to start having a lot of dinners. Go get a Traeger and start doing ribs with each other. Somebody say amen. Here's the second is service that we serve together. We need to be devoted to greatness. You know, uh, James and John, were wa- their mama really wanted them to do well. And James and John's like, Mom, just leave us alone. You know, no, you need to talk to me. I don't want to talk. So she's like, I'm just going to go do it myself. How many has got mama like that in this room, right? So mama just accidentally showed up to Jesus and said, hey, I was thinking, Jesus. My sons have given you a lot, one of the three they would really love to be in the right and left-hand side. And Jesus is like, well, that's really not mine to give, but I understand you, Mama. You know, he never rebukes the mom because he knew we created him that way, so it kind of goes with the territory. Right? How many moms say amen, right? <laughs> I should tell you a story about how my wife ended up on the other side of a gym preaching to a bunch of high schoolers during the game. I'll tell you that one day. I was like, she's a mama, Can't. Ex- that's the only th- explanation, all right? So the disciples find out, the disciples find out that their mama did this and they're fighting because they didn't think of it first. And and they're fighting who is the greatest. Well, you don't do this, but I do all of this. And you're just the greatest. And, and this is amazing to me. Jesus does not rebuke them for wanting to be great but he he does something else. Look what he does. Not so with you, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served. He was devoted to serving because he was great. And because he was great, he just naturally served. Hmm. wow the question is is where are we serving like how am i serving not just the world but how am i serving at bethel's rock how am i serving this body where where am i involved where's my devotion how am i devoted to this group of people right here how have i devoted myself to serving them how am i great in this body and here's the problem we live in a self-promoting culture There's hundreds of articles about it, in fact, here are a few. The art of self-promotion, six ways to get your work discovered. Number two, Forbes says self-promotion is a skill. Forty ways to self-promote without being a jerk. Fifty-four percent of teenagers today want to be celebrities because self-promotion is a skill and we should all be doing it to get better. They want to be a YouTube star, a TikTok star. They want to be a goat. Like, unless I'm a goat, I'm a failure. That is literally the pervasive idea and thinking in the world today. And the Bible says, no, it's the one nobody knows. Do you really think when Billy Graham gets to heaven that his team won't receive as much or more crowns than he did? Do you really think Billy Graham did what he did all by himself? There were hundreds and thousands of people that served Billy Graham in order to take it. And I want to tell you something. They will be even in front of Billy in eternity because he received glory in earth. They receive it in eternity. There is a life beyond this place. Luke 9 says, then he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. As a Jesus follower, serving is not just something we do. It's an action that reflects who we are. Last week, I talked about bandwagon believers. This week, you got to ask yourself, am I a freeloader believer? Am I just on the ride? Am I just coming in and enjoying what everyone else is doing? Am I just a freeloader? Here's the third thing: is, is facilities. We 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 say, well, God doesn't live in a house. That's right, but the world thinks He does. And they look at this place, and there's all kinds of people that would say, "Well, you you don't. We really don't need to pay attention to buildings and all of that stuff. We don't. You know, the world thinks if they want to meet with God, you know where they're going to go? Church, because in their mind, that's where God lives. There are memories, experiences you've had that have been life-changing experiences. And for many of you, it was in a church. For some at altar, they say it happened right there. Like monuments is in that place. Look at what Haggai says. Haggai says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. And he says, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruins? Yeah, like, like literally when we walk into these buildings that God has blessed all of us with these are my buildings, I don't own those buildings I could die tomorrow and somebody else is leaving this is, the, this is God's house, this is ours it belongs to Him when you walk in and you see a piece of trash in the front yard and you walk by and say I wonder why they didn't pick up the trash you know why? God was giving you an opportunity to show that you valued His house it was a test Would you leave trash in your front yard or would you go pick it up? Some are like, yeah, actually, I would leave it there. It's too cold out there for going. I'd pick it up in April, but not right now. Do we treat his house better than we treat our own? Because it's his house. Like this is all his. And he's facilitating ministry in the place. So we honor him. Some of you are saying, well, I'll I'll do that for the church, but you need to pay me. Understand this. We're not paying you. He's paying you. So when you say it's good for who it's for, it's for him. I don't know that I'd want him to return that favor to me like that. Is this making sense? If I'm devoted to something, I'm devoting my life to it. So when I walk in and I see trash, on the, I'm picking it up. Why? Because I'm going to be great. And whenever I'm serving, I'm going to be great. Here's the last one, the last thing, the mission. And it's a short thing. Devotion to the church means we're devoted to its mission. You know what it is? Very simple. To plunder hell, populate heaven. Plunder hell, populate heaven. Very simple. Look at this last verse. Because we must devote ourselves. This last verse in Hebrews, not forsaking forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, in so much more that as we see the day approaching. God's not asking us to just show up. He's not asking us to gather. He wants us to assemble. Serving isn't just coming to church on a Sunday morning. That's the privilege you get by being in the kingdom of God. That's why, that's why no one has to tell us to come to church. Because we get to do it. I will change my schedule to be there. I will come back early from vacation to be there. I will come and do it because I want to be in the presence of God. I'm going to adjust, my, I'm going to adjust it. First week, you better believe. I do nothing else on first week but first week. Why? Because I want to be in the presence of God with my brothers and sisters. And I want to experience the power of what God's going to speak into my life and what he's going to say to me. It's not that God isn't moving. It's that I'm standing on the shore. You got to jump in. Do you believe? Let me ask you this. Do you believe? Because that's what it's about. I know you know. But you won't do anything until you believe. When you believe, there ain't another preacher on this planet that can convince you otherwise. Because I believe. We don't have a lot of time. Time is short. And I know you may be 18, 19, 16 years old. And I want to tell you, the Lord may or may not come back but if you're 16, any 16-year-olds 16 in here, how old are you, 16? Can I tell you, it isn't that the Lord would even come back. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, one morning you go to bed at 16, and then you wake up, and you're 56. <laughs> and you're like, how'd that just happen? How many are saying amen? Right? Introduce a kid into the thing, and it's like, whoosh, psh, psh. Will you stand? I know we're past time and I appreciate your, your patience. But this is our theme, and this is really just a word I believe the Lord's given us to reevaluate. What am I devoted to? What am I devoted to? What am I devoted to? I can tell you, you will get out of what you're devoted in. You gotta ask yourself: what am I getting out of? What I'm I, I'll tell you, if you devote into the work of ministry. You will get from it fulfillment you've never, ever experienced in your life. When you see people come to Jesus, there's nothing like it. Right? When you plunder hell and you populate heaven, oh, it makes life worth living. You don't need a sports team. You don't need stuff. You don't need all that because you got something else that just drives you. Amen? So you, you do this, just say, Lord, I'm here. I don't, I really want the Holy Spirit to just seal this right now in your heart. You just ask the Lord right now in your own way, lift your hands up. Yeah, this is uncomfortable. I get it. I get it. It's uncomfortable, but everyone's doing it right now. Just lift your hands and say, God, I'm ready. I want to receive from you. Will you seal this in my heart? Begin to reveal this in my heart. Let my spirit I see and my heart I see that I can experience what you have, Lord God.